It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. Hour number two, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken. Mark, with you and I, not only today, but we will be with you tomorrow as well. A reminder that now we are on stadiums. Make sure you go to watchstadium.com. You can check us out there for the next two hours up until 6 o'clock Eastern time. You can also continue watching us on twitch.tv slash BeckQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, Sirius Channel 160, and Sirius XM 205. All right, Mark. So, yeah, we were going through some of these head coaching hires that have happened in the NFL. We were talking about Seattle. Mike McDonald, I think it's a slam dunk. He certainly is going to be a ticket that I'm going to have next year for coach of the year. I think Seattle could be much improved. Now, we were talking about Geno earlier on in the show, and I'm not going to bet Seattle long-term to win you know, the NFC, to win the Super Bowl, anything like that. But certainly, sprinkle a little on Seattle to win the NFC West. Mike McDaniel to win coach of the year. That, uh, that could intrigue me. Also, the Seahawks next year in fantasy football. Like, look at what that Ravens defense did this past year. They were either first or tied for first in sacks, takeaways, and points per game allowed. I know the personnel that Baltimore has is a lot better than what Seattle has. But, again, you look at kind of the similarities and how that Ravens team was built. Seahawks have some good young linebackers. They got two great young corners build up defensive line a little bit, maybe some of the safeties in the back end. Like there, there is some pieces there for Seattle to work with. I think they're going to be really good on that side of the ball. So Seattle defense and fantasy going to be a nice sleeper next year. I think them to win that division would be a nice little price as well. And then Mike McDonald is coach of the year. That was my favorite hire. And uh, I think Seattle could be a team to watch next season. That division is going to be highly competitive, PJ. You know, the San Francisco yeah. 49ers not going to go away. They're going to be the team to beat in there. But also, like, I like what Jonathan Gannon is doing with the Arizona Cardinals. They have a long way to go, but I think he's putting the culture in place that they need to succeed. I think they're going to be even better with Kyler Murray coming back, you know, for another year with a full season and him being able to mold that roster into what he wants. I think the team played hard down the stretch. I think they'll be better, but there wasn't a team that I was more wrong on than the LA Rams. I thought the LA Rams, that there's veterans on the team, that as the season went on, they would just slowly start to quit and maybe even, you know, hey, start thinking about Caleb Williams, thinking about life after Matthew Stafford and be towards the end, of the bottom of the standings and towards the top of the draft. And I looked at them as a potential team that could trade up to the top of the draft in the beginning of last year, thinking that they would be a bottom team. And they proved me wrong. They went out and they got Puka Nakua. They have offensive weapons. Sean McVay seems re-energized. It seemed like he was one foot out the door. So I'm very intrigued about what the Rams do in the offseason because they were a team that nobody wanted to play in the playoffs, right? Got bounced out by the Lions, but they were a very trendy pick to go far and upset some people. I mean, that three-headed monster that they have with their skill positions with Kyron Williams, Puka, Cooper Cup, Stafford, mm -hmm. I, you just like forget how good he is too. You're right. They're, yeah. they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem next season. The one thing that worries me about the Rams is, you know, some of the top teams in the NFL, it feels like they can withstand injuries. It does feel like with LA, like they are one injury away from like next season, their season could really unravel, right? Like obviously if Stafford yeah. gets hurt, like there are a bunch of teams in the NFL, if their quarterback gets hurt, they're going to be done. But 
even early on in the season when Cooper Cup was hurt, right? They were able to win some games. I think if Puka gets hurt, like that could be a big deal. Maybe, right? Like if Aaron Donald gets banged up like some of these guys. So the Rams, I'm torn on for next season. I, I was with you mm-hmm. heading into this year. Like I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams. They end up making the playoffs and you know, if they win that Lions game, they probably end up going to the NFC Championship game potentially. I just, next season, Mark, like they're a classic team of like, I could see people wanting to fade them next year, but I don't know, man. That that offense is going to be really good. They also lose Raheem Morris, which is going to be a big deal for them as well because he was great anchoring that defense. Now, did they bring back Staley? Like, did he come back there? Who did they get to replace Raheem Morris? I'm not sure. I, I know that was like a rumor. I'm not sure if that was actually finalized, but yeah. if they do bring Staley back, I think that helps them. The drafting of not only Puka Nakua, but Kobe Turner on defense gives them some depth if a guy like Aaron Donald comes out. So I like what they've done in the draft and, and being able to supplement their stars with some young players. So I think they're a little deeper than what they've been in previous years. The draft is obviously going to be huge for them, free agency, but they're a team that when you have a quarterback like Stafford and you have those weapons, you're you're always live. You're always live. And I, they're a team I got my eye on. Yeah, so no, they have not hired a defensive coordinator yet. So uh, certainly okay. could be Staley at some point. They did bring in Chris Shula as their offensive coordinator, who they promoted. Um, he was the... Uh, Funny enough, he was the Rams promoted the pass rush coordinator and linebackers coach Chris Shula to be the next uh, defensive coordinator. So he's going to be their defensive coordinator. Right. Um, so they have hired one, Chris Shula, for next season. What did you think about Raheem Morris, though, um, with Atlanta? What did you think of that hire? Because obviously they were interviewing Belichick. They went. They were interviewing mm-hmm. some veteran coaches who has had some championship experience, plenty of years in the NFL. But they decided to go with Morris. Did you like that hire for Atlanta? I like Raheem Morris, and I think that he's going to be successful in Atlanta. I, I would have went with Belichick. I, I don't wasn't in the interviews, but I would have took a shot with Belichick. I think that's the type of team to where, hey, if you go out and you get him a Kirk Cousins, you know, a veteran free agent quarterback to run the offense then he's going to coach up the defense. He's going to be fine. I think they can win some games. It's a division that is, you know, doesn't really have one of the strongest teams in the NFL in it, so it's a very winnable division, so you can get immediate results. So that's the only reason I didn't like the hire with Morris was because I, I would have went with Belichick. But as far as a head coach, I think he's going to be very successful. I, I think, you know, he's in. A lot of people don't realize he's right in that McVeigh. LaFleur, Shanahan, Tree. Like, he comes from that coaching uh, background. So I I think he's going to have a ton of success, uh, you know, with Atlanta. I think he probably, uh, you know, is looking at obtaining a quarterback. That's going to be really, you know, the the big deciding factor is that, you know, how he is as a head coach. We know quarterbacks and head coaches are tied based on that performance. So Do they draft a guy? Do they go out and get a free agent? Do they look to bring in Justin Fields? A lot of different options. But as far as a head coach, I think Morris is great. I mean, I think Atlanta has a great guy running their organization now. But me personally, I cannot say no to Bill Belichick. I'm with you. And Mike Tomlin was getting interviewed. I can't remember by who, but he was asked, like, in your opinion, who is the best coach right now in the NFL who isn't a head coach? And 
emphatically, like no hesitation. He said Raheem Morris. So he's certainly respected Mm -hmm. by his peers. Like there are a lot of people around the league that think he's a really good coach. I'm with you though. I would have gone with Belichick. And the reason being for me, being the like main deciding factor, Atlanta's one of those teams in the NFL that has that stigma around them that you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Like if something good Mm -hmm. happens, if Atlanta has a lead in the fourth quarter, like you're just waiting for them to blow it. You're waiting for them to give it away. The Lions had that issue for the longest time. Certainly teams like the Commanders, um, you know, for the Browns forever, like teams like that, right? The Chargers obviously under Staley. Now you bring in Harbaugh who can certainly change that. I think they needed to bring in a coach who is used to winning, who knows what it takes to change that stigma. And that's the thing. I just don't know if Raheem Morris is that guy. I certainly think he's an upgrade from Arthur Smith. I think he's obviously going to make him better on defense. And it's important that Zach Robinson, the offensive coordinator that they brought in, obviously figures out a way to incorporate Bijan in that offense way more than Arthur Smith did. But I uh, I just thought they should have gone with Belichick because I think they need to change how people view the Falcons because I'm sure the players can feel that too, right? Like, you know, you're going to find a way to lose this game. And a lot of that is because Desmond Ritter is your quarterback for most of those games. And he's certainly not going to be for next year. We talked about earlier in the show last hour, like some of these teams that we maybe could see trading up for a quarterback, maybe some teams who go after a quarterback in free agency. What do you think Atlanta should do? Should Should they go after somebody young? and try and hit on a quarterback in the draft, or would you go after one of these veteran guys? Would you go after Cousins or Fields or somebody like that? I would try and move up and get somebody young, like especially if you can get like a Jaden Daniels or you know somebody um, in that range. You're not going to get Caleb. You're probably not going to get Drake May. But if you can get up and get Daniels, I, I think it would be worth it. It always depends on price, but – uh, I think Daniels is going to be a great pro. You get him with a strong offensive coordinator. They have weapons in Atlanta. You know, they have Drake London. They have Kyle Pitts, guys that have underachieved. They have Bijan. So uh, I think that's a great spot. You know, he gets to play indoors, a controlled climate. So um, that's going to help him out. You know, that that's obviously ideal for any quarterback. So I would go after I would go after Daniels. I'm always in favor of starting young. I think there's certain situations you see where teams are like one piece away. And, and it's the quarterback, and if they can get a guy in there that's above average, that brings stability to the position, the rest of the team can carry carry them you know, deep into the playoffs. But I don't see Atlanta being that type of team right now. I think it's a perfect opportunity to hit the reset button. you got some talent on offense. You bring a young quarterback. You protect them, and then you're off from there. I'm kind of with you, and the reason being is because I think Indianapolis gave teams the blueprint for like three years of when you're mm-hmm. kind of like hovering on making the playoffs, and decide, and instead of going young, you decide to go with like the veteran quarterback, right? For three straight years, Mark, we saw Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, and then Carson Wentz. Indianapolis had a type. They tried to go with the old veteran quarterback, and it just did not work out for them. Finally, they went young. With Anthony Richardson, even though it got hurt, it looks like he certainly could be a good player. Now, obviously, if they go with somebody like Fields and Cousins, those guys are much younger and they're much better players. But Atlanta, if they do end up getting somebody, they need to go with somebody like that, right? Like, I don't think they can Mm -hmm. go after one of these veteran older quarterbacks. Guy we haven't talked about yet is Russell Wilson. Like, do you think he could be a fit in Atlanta, potentially? 
I would want something, somebody more dynamic at the quarterback position to maximize, you know, the weapons that they have, right? You have an offense with Bijan. You don't want a quarterback that's a little bit limited. And I think at this stage of the career, I think Russell Wilson is limited. And again, there's just, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but there's obviously some baggage that comes along with him and how he gets along with his teammates and whatnot. If I'm a new coach and I'm starting a new culture and is starting a new regime for a franchise, I, I don't want that in the building. Like he has to go to a team that's, uh, you know, already has a strong culture in place to where he can fit in and kind of push them over the hump. Uh, I just don't see the Falcons in that position. I think this is a great spot for them to get somebody young. I like Daniels. The more, I, the more we're talking about Daniels there, I, I think he would fit great. I think that's a really good situation for him. Carolina Panthers obviously have made a ton of moves in the offseason. You would imagine that a team that only won two games that gave up their future to go get Bryce Young as the number one pick. They got a new head coach. The offensive coordinator from Tampa, Dave Canales, comes over. They got a new OC. They got a new running backs coach, wide receivers coach, offensive line coach. They got a new GM, a new executive VP of football operations. Total overhaul of the entire organization. Are you doing anything with Carolina next season, Mark? Like, are you going to fade them? Because especially early on in the season, like having a young quarterback, don't you think all of this change is like, I feel like we got to bet Panthers games early on in the season, right? New head coach, Mm -hmm. new OC, running backs, wide receivers. That offense was also a biz was already awful to begin with. I mean, these totals could be set at like 36 and a half. I feel like we still got to take the under and we still got to take Panthers team total unders early on in the season. Yeah, I think so too. It's a a long road ahead for Panthers fans and that offense just needs so much work. It's, It's void of talent. You know, I don't think they they just have the explosive type of playmakers that you need around Bryce Young to give him a fighting chance. They couldn't protect him. They got to build up the offensive line. All that doesn't happen in one year. So it's going to take some time there. A lot of it's going to depend on what happens within the division. Like when we're talking about futures and talking about win totals, we have to keep in mind, like six of your games are, are within the division and how you stack up within that division it plays a big role in where you end up, you know, on your win total. So, and, We'll have to look at, you know, what happens with Atlanta, what happens with Tampa, what happens with New Orleans. All these teams are in flux because they were not very good, underachieved the past couple years. What do they do, and how does Carolina stack up to them? But I have a hard time seeing me, you know, rating the Panthers higher than any of those above three teams. Mark, would you rather take the Carolina Panthers at 250-1 to to win the Super Bowl or the Chicago White Sox at 250-1 to to win the World Series? <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably the White Sox. We gotta, go, I we gotta agree. go with the White Sox. But I'm, I'm hoping it's not my money that I'm betting on either of them. To be honest with you, so. Uh, but I would take a, take a shot on the White Sox. I, I just that's the not- NFL is so hard to be, yeah, the absolute bottom team and then to compete with, you know, like we talk about how can the field at all beat Patrick Mahomes? You know, right? I mean, there's no way the Carolina Panthers can. Yeah, no. And those teams that do have crazy odds like that, you know, you're going to need Bryce Young to turn to like Joe Burrow or turn to CJ Stroud or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know if that's going to happen with that organization. One year. I bring up I bring up the White Sox because we are going to talk some baseball next. You better you bet presented by BetMGM. 
Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken here on a Thursday. Plenty of NFL talk thus far. Reminder that we are on stadiums. Make sure you go to watchstadium.com. Can check us out over there up until six o'clock Eastern time. We're still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. You can also watch us and listen to us on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. We're going to have our first guest of the show coming up at 442 Eastern Time. Frank Stamfel is going to join us, writer for CBS Sports and host of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Going to talk some fantasy baseball with Frank, obviously pitchers and catchers reporting yesterday. And Mark, you know, when pitchers and catchers report, Obviously, sports fans, baseball fans are so excited because that means that springtime is almost upon us. That means that spring training is around the corner. Opening day is almost here. But it also means that you get to learn about all the injuries that you had no idea was going on behind closed doors <laughs> that finally because you know are obviously talked about when the GMs tell you who's hurt. And uh, Orioles got, got some tough news today that Kyle Bradish is dealing with the UCL injury. He's going to start the season on the IL and you know the Orioles are trying to be optimistic about it and they say that even though he's not going to start the season on uh, the opening day roster that he should pitch again in 2024 first off when your GM says he should pitch again in 2024 never a good thing whenever a pitcher and UCL are in the same sentence also not usually a good thing so I uh, I'm not expecting Kyle Bradish probably to be back for the Orioles in 2024. This makes even more sense why they went out and got Corbin Burns. They also have John Means, who's not going to start the uh, season on the opening day roster as well. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Had a couple starts at the end of last year, but then wasn't able to make it on the postseason roster because he had to deal with an elbow injury as well. So. Orioles are uh, dealing with a couple of injuries to their pitchers. However, their odds to win the ALE still remain the same at plus 200. Mark, in your eyes, does this make you a little bit more concerned about the Orioles heading into the season that they might be without one of their better pitchers? It does. When these types of injuries happen, there's always opportunity for betters, right? That's immediately where our mind goes. We want to see how it's going to shape the market. It hasn't shaped the market at all yet. Do you agree with that, PJ? I sort of don't. And do you think that this gives the Yankees more value or the Blue Jays? Well, I think it gives Tampa, honestly, would be would be my team. We were talking about mm-hmm. that yesterday. Outside of the Orioles, like my bet in the East would be Tampa at plus 700. I think this gives, gives them a better look. I am surprised, actually, Mark, that the odds didn't move that much. I think a big reason being, I don't know if you've had a chance to look, but the Orioles' first, like, 25 games of the season, you really couldn't ask for a much easier start. They play the Angels twice. They play the Royals twice. They play Oakland. They play Milwaukee, Minnesota. like. Every team that you could want, maybe outside of the Nationals, Rockies, and White Sox to start the season, the Orioles are playing. Now what that means, even though their schedule is easy to start, it's certainly going to be backloaded towards the end of the year when division races and pennant races start heating up. But uh, 
Yeah, I I think that's probably why part of the reason the odds maybe haven't adjusted is because right now the Orioles are saying this might not be a long-term thing. This might be a first couple weeks of the season month type thing. And also just because of the resources that they have, I think built into the price is the fact that Jordan Montgomery's still out there, Blake Snell's still out there. And now that the Orioles have new ownership, there's this excitement that under the Angelos family, they were never going to spend money. But now with David Rubenstein taking over, now they could spend money and go after people like that. So I think the combination of the easy schedule, the farm system, the new ownership, and the fact that you have to give them, you know, benefit of the doubt that they won 101 games last year, and they essentially did it with two top-end starters, right? With Grayson and Kyle Bradish. And Grayson wasn't great until the second half of the season. So essentially, Mark, it's just the same team as last year. Now you're going to have Burns and Grayson Rodriguez to rely on because they didn't have John Means essentially for the entire year last year. What hurts them more even now, though, is that Felix Bautista injury. Felix is the best closer in baseball, and he's already out for the season. And the Orioles won a lot of games last year by like three runs or less, and they were able to win all those because of Felix. And he is so key in the regular season because of the extra inning rules and when runners start on second base with no outs. And Felix's strikeout to, I mean, hit ratio is just, it's like absurd. He strikes out 50% of the batters that he faces. So not having him and then not having Bradish potentially for the whole year, like, it's a big blow. So I'm interested. That's why I think right now the odds on the Orioles are going to remain. But, you know, if they go through the first stretch of the season, Mark, if they get off to a slow stretch and they're, like, hovering around 500 or maybe they're, like, even a couple games under 500 and we find out that Bradish is out for the year potentially in a long-term injury, then uh, I think it could get tough for the O's because their schedule is only going to get harder and harder and harder as the season goes on. Yeah, I think it really helps the Blue Jays. And if betters like the Blue Jays, the schedule that you brought up, the Orioles' early schedule, is something to really keep an eye on because it's going to cause an even bigger gap between the Orioles and the Blue Jays on the odds board. And you're going to be able to get the Blue Jays probably at a decent price because not only does Baltimore have a very advantageous start to the season – Toronto is the exact opposite. Ten straight road games. They have to go to Houston. So they're going to start off the season pretty slow. So maybe you wait two weeks if you like Toronto, even if you like Tampa. You know, wait two weeks into the season. Let those games play out, especially if you like the Blue Jays. Let that big road trip play out. Let's get into April, you know, deep into April, and then start to look at those prices. They're going to be a little bit inflated. There's your opportunity. If you believe New York is just a bunch of money and doesn't have staying power at the top of the division, you might want to look at Toronto and Tampa. Completely agree. I completely agree. That's a great point, right? Because the O schedule is going to be easy, so maybe you don't bet them, but you certainly could look at the other teams because the AL East last year was such a great division to bet in the season remember the rays got off to that historical start they were 13 and 0 to start the season they had built like a six and a half game lead in the first two weeks of the season and they started out the year like plus three something they were already minus money after the first couple weeks of the year so the orioles you got even a bigger price on them than they were to start the season they obviously come back and win the division so you're right it's the best division in baseball top to bottom all these teams are good. They can all beat each other. They certainly could all make the playoffs. Um, 
you know, I don't know if the Red Sox might, but who knows? Crazier things. Is happened. there any value in the Red Sox? I mean, it seems like a pretty big gap between them and everybody else. Like from a talent roster perspective, is it really warranted that big of a gap? Not saying they should be favored, not be, saying they should be in the top two, three, but are the Red Sox that far off? I think they are. I think they are with these other yeah. teams because they can hit their lineups good. But, Mark, they just – they have no pitching. They have no pitching. And even their lineup, you know, I mean, Duvall's still a free agent. Like, who knows where he's going to sign. Um, Justin Turner, they obviously lost. I mean, the middle of their order is is strong, but they just can't pitch at all. And these other teams, like, the Rays can pitch. The Orioles, you know, still got Burns and Rodriguez. The Blue Jays have some strong mm-hmm. arms. The Yankees have Cole. They got a great bullpen. So I do think the gap is is that big. That's why when we were talking about it yesterday, like the Red Sox at 13 to 1, if the Orioles had the Red Sox roster or the Rays had the Red Sox roster, like they would be 25 to 1 to win the division. So it's just one mm-hmm. of those, like it's a brand name. They're the Red Sox, and that's why they're priced as high as they are. Tax on a bad team. We always talk about the tax on a good team, right? Now you're getting the brand tax on a bad team, so no value even at 13 to 1. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I can't wait for the season to start and watch this play out, but not saying New Orioles are dead, but I do think it opens up opportunities for those other two teams, namely Toronto. Like I like the fact that they start the season on the road, could get off to a slow start, could get an even better price. What are your thoughts on the AL West? So last year, we all came in thinking this division would probably be a two-horse race between the Astros and the Mariners, and maybe the Angels would do something. You know, with Trout and Otani, people were holding out hope, even though there was never really a chance they were going to contend with those two teams. Now it's a three-horse race. You got Houston at plus 115, the Rangers at plus 200, and Seattle at plus 240. I don't know how you can continue to bet the Mariners. I get it on paper. Mm-hmm. Really strong rotation. They have some nice hitters in the middle of their hoarder. Um, Julio's going to be an AL MVP candidate. But I, I think it, for me, like getting the Astros at plus money, it's kind of like the Chiefs thing. Like until somebody beats them for that division, I don't know how you can bet against them at plus money, right? Like the Astros are just inevitable. They're probably going to be in the ALCS yet again this year they got verlander back he's going to be there to go along with valdez the rotation is going to be good that lineup obviously with altuve and alvarez and bregman and tucker like it's going to be stacked so for me it's still the astros they have shown last year mark if you couldn't win that division against them last year especially with the lead that the rangers got out to and with the injuries that they had to deal with with altuve and alvarez for most of the year if you couldn't get the astros last year I don't, I don't know how you're going to get them. So I, uh, especially at the plus money price, I like Houston at plus one fifteen. Yeah, I think it's a good price there to get them at plus money. If we look at it from the other side of the coin, like what needs to happen with Houston to open things up to where you would look at Texas, to where I don't think Seattle can get there. Still a lot of turnover, you know, young team, but. Texas has the confidence now. Like, they did beat them. You know, they got to the World Series. They're the World Series champion. That can do a lot for an organization. Not saying they're a buy here, plus 200 in the division with the Astros. But what would we need to see out of the Astros to make us think that they're a little bit vulnerable? Is it the bullpen? They start to get some more injuries in the bullpen. That bullpen starts breaking down, not able to win close games. Is that what better should have their eye on when looking at Houston? Um, If they're not going to bet them at this price and they want to look at bet Texas a little bit down the line. 
Yeah, I think it's just te- if Texas, if their starting pitching is able to stay healthy, like if they're able DeGrom. to get something out of DeGrom and Scherzer and maybe mm-hmm. if they re-sign Montgomery, right, then maybe. But to your point, like I, I really don't know what it's going to take for me to not take the Astros. Like I really don't because Seattle, I just I can't get there until they show me that they can do it. It's like betting on the it's like betting on the Browns or it's like betting on the Lions this season. The reason the I Chargers. could not pull the trigger, <laughs> the Chargers. The reason that I could not pull the trigger on the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North because I was like, show me. I need you to prove yep. to me you're the favorite. You have all the expectations. I need you to prove to me that you can win it. Detroit proved it, and now I can trust them more going forward. But the Chargers are like a great example, right? The Astros and the Chiefs, like those are two easy teams to kind of compare to one another. And Seattle is kind of like L.A. Like they're that team that, the roster's good. Herbert and Julio Rodriguez, you kind of got your like MVP candidates, but you just you can't get over the hump yet. So that's why I can't get there with Seattle. Um, Houston's the play to me, Mark. They just they know what it takes to navigate the regular season. And I think Texas winning the World Series and not winning the division has shown them that you know what? We don't need home field advantage. Like we don't need to win a hundred games. We know as long as we get in with our lineup and if our bullpen gets hot, like it did last year, we can run the table and beat anybody. So uh, it's Houston for me. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that it's not minus money. I understand why it's not because the Rangers won the world series and the Mariners are a talented team. And the Astros literally won the division on the final day of the regular season last year. But the fact that now they're healthy, and the fact that they lost to Texas last year and there's a little extra chip on their shoulder, uh, to me, they're the play. I like them at plus 115. So that certainly is going to be a fun division. I know we were talking about your Phillies yesterday. You think there's any chance that they could win that NL East over Atlanta, or you think that's the Braves division? I think there's a chance. Maybe it's the homer in me, right? But they're going to need a lot of things to, to, to fall the right way. You know, I mean, Atlanta, obviously, when you look at their – roster i think they have eight positional players between the age of 23 and 29 like they're just young and they are strong um that you know strider obviously leads the rotation so i i think it, over the course of a 162 game season uh i would take the atlanta braves in a seven game series where i could throw out there wheeler and nola um, i'm going to take the philadelphia phillies Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. The Phillies are just, they're kind of built for the postseason, right? Like all these guys, Mm -hmm. like Schwarber is just a playoff guy, right? Like Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, like they elevate their games in the playoffs. And that ballpark, as you know, it's just, it's a different animal in the postseason than it is on a Tuesday in July. So I think the Phillies are just a team that they're way more built for the playoffs. The Braves are built with the depth of their lineup and the two front-end aces that they have with Strider and now having Max Freed healthy for the entire year. I mean, I just think they're that they're going to be the team. Now, I could not lay minus 275 with them yeah, to win the division. Number. That is a big number. That is a big number, especially with how much talent Philadelphia has. But um, I'm with you. Like, I could see a case where the Phillies could win the division, but... I think the Braves are built uh, for the regular season, certainly, and to win that division. Frank Stample is going to join us next at Roto underscore Frank, writer for CBS Fantasy. Going to talk a little fantasy baseball with Frank on the other side. You better, you bet. Presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller. 
We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken here on a Thursday. Plenty of NFL talk thus far. Reminder that we are on stadiums. Make sure you go to watchstadium.com, can check us out. Over there, up until 6 o'clock Eastern time, we're still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. You can also watch us and listen to us on twitch.tv slash betql and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. We're going to have our first guest of the show coming up at 442 Eastern time. Frank Stamfel is going to join us, writer for CBS Sports and host of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Going to talk some fantasy baseball with Frank, obviously pitchers and catchers reporting yesterday. And Mark, you know, when pitchers and catchers report, obviously sports fans, baseball fans are so excited because that means that springtime is almost upon us. That means that spring training is around the corner. Opening day is almost here, but it also means that you get to learn about all the injuries that you had no idea was going on behind closed doors (laughs) that finally because, you know, are obviously talked about when the GMs tell you who's hurt and, uh, Orioles got got some tough news today that Kyle Bradish is dealing with the UCL injury. He's going to start the season on the IL. And, you know, the Orioles are trying to be optimistic about it. And they say that even though he's not going to start the season on uh, the opening day roster, that he should pitch again in 2024. First off, when your GM says he should pitch again in 2024, never a good thing. Whenever a pitcher and UCL are in the same sentence. Also, not usually a good thing. So I, uh, I'm i not expecting Kyle Bradish probably to be back for the Orioles in 2024. This makes even more sense why they went out and got Corbin Burns. They also have John Means, who's not going to start the uh, season on the opening day roster as well. He's recovering from Tommy John's surgery. Had a couple starts at the end of last year, but then wasn't able to make it on the postseason roster because he had to deal with an elbow injury as well. So Orioles are uh, dealing with a couple of injuries to their pitchers. However, their odds to win the ALE still remain the same at plus 200. Mark, in your eyes, does this make you a little bit more concerned about the Orioles heading into the season that they might be without one of their better pitchers. It does. When these types of injuries happen, there's always opportunity for betters, right? That's immediately where our mind goes. We want to see how it's going to shape the market. It hasn't shaped the market at all yet. Do you agree with that, PJ? I sort of don't. And do you think that this gives the Yankees more value or the Blue Jays? Well, I think it gives Tampa, honestly, would be would be my team. We were talking about mm-hmm. that yesterday. Outside of the Orioles, like my bet in the East would be Tampa at plus 700. I think this gives, gives them a better look. I am surprised, actually, Mark, that the odds didn't move that much. I think a big reason being, I don't know if you've had a chance to look, but the Orioles' first, like, 25 games of the season, you really couldn't ask for a much easier start. They play the Angels twice. They play the Royals twice. They play Oakland. They play Milwaukee, Minnesota, like, 
every team that you could want, maybe outside of the Nationals, Rockies, and White Sox to start the season, the Orioles are playing. Now what that means, even though their schedule is easy to start, it's certainly going to be backloaded towards the end of the year when division races and pennant races start heating up. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably why part of the reason the odds maybe haven't adjusted is because right now the Orioles are saying this might not be a long-term thing. This might be a first couple weeks of the season month type thing. And also just because of the resources that they have, I think built into the price is the fact that Jordan Montgomery's still out there. Blake Snell's still out there. And now that the Orioles have new ownership, there's this excitement that under the Angelos family, they were never going to spend money. But now with David Rubenstein taking over, now they could spend money and go after people like that. So I think the combination of the easy schedule, the farm system, the new ownership, and the fact that you have to give them, you know, benefit of the doubt that they won 101 games last year, and they essentially did it with two top-end starters, right? With Grayson and Kyle Bradish. And Grayson wasn't great until the second half of the season. So, essentially, Mark, it's just the same team as last year. Now you're going to have Burns and Grayson Rodriguez to rely on because they didn't have John Means, essentially, for the entire year last year. What hurts them more even now, though, is that Felix Bautista injury. Felix is the best closer in baseball, and he's already out for the season. And the Orioles won a lot of games last year by, like, three runs or less. And they were able to win all those because of Felix. And he is so key in the regular season because of the extra inning rules. And when runners start on second base with no outs and Felix's strikeout to, I mean, hit ratio is just, it's like absurd. He strikes out 50% of the batters that he faces. So not having him and then not having Bradish potentially for the whole year, like it's a big blow. So I'm interested. That's why. I think right now the odds on the Orioles are going to remain. But, you know, if they go through the first stretch of the season, Mark, if they get off to a slow stretch and they're like hovering around 500 or maybe they're like even a couple games under 500 and we find out that Bradish is out for the year potentially in a long-term injury, then uh, I think it could get tough for the O's because their schedule is only going to get harder and harder and harder as the season goes on. Yeah, I think it really helps the Blue Jays. And if betters like the Blue Jays, the schedule that you brought up, the Orioles' early schedule, is something to really keep an eye on because it's going to cause an even bigger gap between the Orioles and the Blue Jays on the odds board. And you're going to be able to get the Blue Jays probably at a decent price because not only does Baltimore have a very advantageous start to the season, Toronto is the exact opposite. Ten straight road games. They have to go to Houston. So they're going to start off the season pretty slow. So maybe you wait two weeks if you like Toronto, even if you like Tampa. You know, wait two weeks into the season. Let those games play out, especially if you like the Blue Jays. Let that big road trip play out. Let's get into April, you know, deep into April, and then start to look at those prices. They're going to be a little bit inflated. There's your opportunity. If you believe New York is just a bunch of money and doesn't have staying power at the top of the division, you might want to look at Toronto and Tampa. Completely agree. I completely agree. That's a great point, right? Because the O schedule is going to be easy, so maybe you don't bet them, but you certainly could look at the other teams because the AL East last year was such a great division to bet in the season remember the rays got off to that historical start they were 13 and 0 yes. to start the season they had built like a six and a half game lead in the first two weeks of the season and they started out 
the year like plus three something, they were already minus money after the first couple weeks of the year. So the Orioles, you got even a bigger price on them than they were to start the season. They obviously come back and win the division. So you're right. It's the best division in baseball, top to bottom. All these teams are good. They can all beat each other. They certainly could all make the playoffs. Um, you know, I don't know if the Red Sox might, but who knows? Crazier things. Have Is happened. there any value in the Red Sox? I mean, it seems like a pretty big gap between them and everybody else. Like from a talent roster perspective, is it really warranted that big of a gap? Not saying they should be favored, not be, saying they should be in the top two, three, but are the Red Sox that far off? I think they are. I think they are with these other yeah. teams because they can hit their lineups good. But, Mark, they just – they have no pitching. They have no pitching. And even their lineup, you know, I mean, Duvall's still a free agent. Like, who knows where he's going to sign. Um, Justin Turner, they obviously lost. I mean, the middle of their order is is strong, but they just can't pitch at all. And these other teams, like, the Rays can pitch. The Orioles, you know, still got Burns and Rodriguez. The Blue Jays have some strong mm-hmm. arms. The Yankees have Cole. They got a great bullpen. So I do think the gap is is that big. That's why when we were talking about it yesterday, like the Red Sox at 13 to 1, if the Orioles had the Red Sox roster or the Rays had the Red Sox roster, like they would be 25 to 1 to win the division. So it's just one mm-hmm. of those, like it's a brand name. They're the Red Sox, and that's why they're priced as high as they are. Tax on a bad team. We always talk about the tax on a good team, right? Now you're getting the brand tax on a bad team, so no value even at 13-1. to 1. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I can't wait for the season to start and watch this play out, but not saying New Orioles are dead, but I do think it opens up opportunities for those other two teams, namely Toronto. Like I like the fact that they start the season on the road, could get off to a slow start, could get an even better price. What are your thoughts on the AL West? So last year, we all came in thinking this division would probably be a two-horse race between the Astros and the Mariners, and maybe the Angels would do something. You know, with Trout and Otani, people were holding out hope, even though there was never really a chance they were going to contend with those two teams. Now it's a three-horse race. You got Houston at plus 115, the Rangers at plus 200, and Seattle at plus 240. I don't know how you can continue to bet the Mariners. I get it on paper. Mm-hmm. Really strong rotation. They have some nice hitters in the middle of their hoarder. Um, Julio's going to be an AL MVP candidate. But I, I think it, for me, like getting the Astros at plus money, it's kind of like the Chiefs thing. Like until somebody beats them for that division, I don't know how you can bet against them at plus money, right? Like the Astros are just inevitable. They're probably going to be in the ALCS yet again this year they got Verlander back he's going to be there to go along with Valdez their rotation is going to be good that lineup obviously with Altuve and Alvarez and Bregman and Tucker like it's going to be stacked so for me it's still the Astros they have shown last year Mark if you couldn't win that division against them last year especially with the lead that the Rangers got out to and with the injuries that they had to deal with with Altuve and Alvarez for most of the year if you couldn't get the Astros last year I don't, I don't know how you're going to get them. So I, uh, especially at the plus money price, I like Houston at plus one fifteen. Yeah, I think it's a good price there to get them a plus money. If we look at it from the other side of the coin, like what needs to happen with Houston to open things up to where you would look at Texas, to where I don't think Seattle can get there. Still a lot of turnover, you know, young team, but. 
Texas has the confidence now. Like they did beat them. You know, they got to the World Series. They're the World Series champion. That can do a sure. lot for an organization. Not saying they're a buy here plus 200 in the division with the Astros, but what do, would we need to see out of the Astros to make us think that they're a little bit vulnerable? Is it the bullpen? They start to get some more injuries in the bullpen. That bullpen starts breaking down, not able to win close games. Is that what better should have their eye on when looking at Houston? Um, if they're not going to bet them at this price and they want to look at bet Texas a little bit down the line. Yeah, I think it's just te- if Texas, if their starting pitching is able to stay healthy, like if they're able to Grom. get something out of DeGrom and Scherzer and maybe mm-hmm. if they re-sign Montgomery, right, then maybe. But to your point, like I, I really don't know what it's going to take for me to not take the Astros. Like I really don't because Seattle, I just I can't get there until they show me that they can do it. It's like betting on the it's like betting on the Browns or it's like betting on the Lions this season. The reason the I could not pull the trigger, the Chargers. <laughs> The reason that I could not pull the trigger on the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North because I was like, show me. I need you to prove to me you're the favorite. You have all the expectations. I need you to prove to me that you can win it. Detroit proved it, and now I can trust them more going forward. But the Chargers are like a great example, right? The Astros and the Chiefs, like those are two easy teams to kind of compare to one another. And Seattle is kind of like L.A. Like they're that team that, the roster's good. Herbert and Julio Rodriguez, you kind of got your like MVP candidates, but you just you can't get over the hump yet. So that's why I can't get there with Seattle. Um, Houston's the play to me, Mark. They just they know what it takes to navigate the regular season. And I think Texas winning the World Series and not winning the division has shown them that you know what? We don't need home field advantage. Like we don't need to win a hundred games. We know as long as we get in with our lineup and if our bullpen gets hot, like it did last year, we can run the table and beat anybody. So uh, it's Houston for me. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that it's not minus money. I understand why it's not because the Rangers won the world series and the Mariners are a talented team. And the Astros literally won the division on the final day of the regular season last year. But the fact that now they're healthy, and the fact that they lost to Texas last year, and there's a little extra chip on their shoulder, uh, to me, they're the play. I like them at plus 115. So that certainly is going to be a fun division. I know we were talking about your Phillies yesterday. You think there's any chance that they could win that NL East over Atlanta, or you think that's the Braves division? I think there's a chance. Maybe it's the homer in me, right? But they're going to need a lot of things to, to, to fall the right way. You know, I mean, Atlanta, obviously, when you look at their – roster i think they have eight positional players between the age of 23 and 29 like they're just young and they are strong um that you know strider obviously leads the rotation so i i think it, over the course of a 162 game season uh i would take the atlanta braves in a seven game series where i could throw out there wheeler and nola um, i'm going to take the philadelphia phillies Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. The Phillies are just, they're kind of built for the postseason, right? Like all these guys, Mm -hmm. like Schwarber is just a playoff guy, right? Like Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, like they elevate their games in the playoffs. And that ballpark, as you know, it's just, it's a different animal in the postseason than it is on a Tuesday in July. So I think the Phillies are just a team that they're way more built for the playoffs. The Braves are built with the depth of their lineup and the two front-end aces that they have with Strider and now having Max Freed healthy for the entire year. I mean, I just think they're that they're going to be the team. Now, I could not lay minus 275 with them yeah, to win the number. division. 
that is a big number. That is a big number, especially with how much talent Philadelphia has. But um, I'm with you. Like, I could see a case where the Phillies could win the division, but I think the Braves are built uh, for the regular season, certainly, and to win that division. Frank Stample is going to join us next at Roto underscore Frank writer for CBS Fantasy. Going to talk a little fantasy baseball with Frank on the other side. You better you bet. Presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.